1: presented by AT&T connecting changes everything
0: brute force if it doesn't work you're just not using enough you're listening to software radio special operations military news and straight talk with the guys in the community.
2: Hey, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Soft Rep Radio. Those that you are watching already see that I have my guest on and it is Mike Laeth, SEAL Team 4 operator, United States Navy, drifter in life. I like to see those bumper stickers out there on the road that say, not all who wander are lost. <laughs> Mike, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me on,
3: Rad. <laughs> I appreciate it. It's awesome to be on here.
2: Yeah, it's we're happy to have you. You know, Brandon's like, yo, dial them up. Let's get them. And I was like, let's get it. And what we're going to talk about is really, what was it that drove you to join the SEALs? You know, how old were you? And was it like a high school? Like, tell me a little bit about what took you from boom.
3: It's kind of a funny story. So I mean, everyone's story that gets to the SEAL teams or any special operations unit is pretty unique. But when I asked to go back to when I was in grade school, so I was in fifth grade, I got in trouble for whatever reason. I was always getting in trouble. I got grounded and I wasn't allowed to watch TV. I mean, this is before iPads and all that shit. So it was like, all I had was TV. So my mom was like, read a book. And I was like, I don't want to read a book. And she took me to, it was Barnes and Noble. And I walked in. And I went over to the military section, and right away there was a there was a book there with a guy all painted up in camouflage, hiding in the jungle, and there was a big gold trident on it. I had no idea what Navy SEALs were at the time, but I just thought mm-hmm. the cover it looked cool as shit. So I was like, it was about Vietnam frogs, you know, frogmen in Vietnam. It was a lot of SEAL Team One stories, if I remember right, and I was hooked. And then, like within months, the movie with Charlie Sheen came out, Navy SEALs, and I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah, I was like, done, I'm doing this. And so then in sixth grade in my school district where I grew up, you graduated sixth grade and went to middle school and they did like a graduation ceremony. We had a yearbook. And in the yearbook, it asked, in 20 years, I will be dot, dot, dot. And like every kid in my class wrote, they're going to be, I I grew up in Philly. So everyone was going to be like playing for the Sixers, the Eagles, the Phillies. Mm -hmm. And I wrote, I'm going to be United States Navy SEAL working on top secret missions. And I totally forgot that I did that. And when I graduated SEAL training, one of my buddies, his mom was like, they were moving and they clean out the house and she came across the yearbook and she was like reading the stories about all the kids we grew up with. And she was laughing and she was like, holy shit, Mike's actually doing this. And they gave the yearbook to my dad who gave it to me at graduation. And I was like, damn, and I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. You're accomplishing, you
2: know, your youthful goals, bro. Yeah. That, subconsciously, right. That book just inspired you.
3: Yeah. So it was like, so high school, I was kind of a lost cause just ended up, I was a total knucklehead, went to college and I wasn't some... <laughs> I wasn't doing awesome. Let's, let's just say I was just working. I was partying, <laughs> having a good time, trying to figure out life, selling some wild oats. And then 9-11 happened. And then like shortly after that, I was just like, this is what I got to do. And uh, yeah. And about a year after 9-11, it, it took me a little while to get through the recruiting process because I had some uh, legal troubles growing up. But then I, I finally got into the sure. Navy and uh, went to the fleet for a little bit, then ended up at Bud's.
2: What was your need of the Navy at first when you, before you got to buds? Like, you know, we always hear about the romance of buds. What was it that you did prior to that?
3: Yeah. So at the time this, you know, it's going back to like 2002, 2003, the Navy, you could get a seal challenge contract, but the seal Navy seals didn't have their own rating. Like eventually they had their own rating or called like special SOs, special operators. But at the time you had to pick a, a specific rating in the Navy to get a billet to buds and so i was like what's the fastest thing to get me to boot camp and they're like we have an opening for parachute riggers aircrew survival equipment oh and so um they wouldn't give me a seal challenge contract because of my police record so i had to get a waiver just to get into the regular navy got into the regular navy mm-hmm. and then had to go to my first command and try out to go through like a regular fleet sailor applying the buds yeah and that's what i did
2: that's awesome i mean you just kept at it you just wanted to serve the country you know there was a huge you know, rally around the campfire, so to speak, during 9-11. I remember it very much. And, uh, you know, there was not so much divisiveness. It was like, you're either with us or against us. Yeah. You know, it's not like the melting pot that we see today. And I have to say that, you know, social media helps perpetuate a lot of the, the narrative out there. And I just would like to see, you know, us have that same mindset, like what you wanted to do for the heart of it all be in place right now with kind of everyone in the world, right? Like to say, hey, like, I I don't know how to say it, man. I guess I just want peace in a redwood tree (laughs) with an AK. All right. (laughs) I'll just live there.
3: (laughs) I mean, I look at like social media just perpetuates like the people that are on the fringes and they get the loudest voice because it garners like the most attention. But that's not like I think how, you know, 95% of America really wants to be like we get the two and a half percent fringe on on each side which unfortunately just like dominates any kind of news and media. And so people think everything's in a shitter, but I still believe in the American people and the American dream and are red, white, and blue. So I would, I,
2: that's that's what's okay. up. I'm the same. Yeah. I just hundred uh, percent. And, and I'm glad to hear that from you. Now um, you enlisted in the military, which is, um, did you go through your college career or did you just enlist? You said, I
3: dropped out to enlist, my my dad was a construction worker doing water pipe stuff my mom was a hairdresser they never went to college so they were pretty excited for me to like graduate college and heck yeah i was like going in my senior year and i was like (laughs) i'm out and they were like what and i was like don't worry i'll finish my degree when i'm in and i did i finished my degree on active duty on nights and weekends And when i graduated i sent the certificate to my mom make her all happy and then uh that's nice now i enlisted i like being an e-dog you get the best jobs stayed enlisted then the whole time even with your degree yeah so uh, i hit my 10 year mark and it was kind of like do i stay in for another 10 or do i get out Mm -hmm. at the time i had three kids i have four kids now and i was like dude i was never home i I needed to do something different i saw the wars winding down i didn't want to be stuck in like Mm -hmm. a training cell all the time and i was like do i do i stay in and go officer like i don't know i was going through a bunch of stuff and then i applied to business school I never thought I would get into a school like Wharton Business School, and I did. And it was in Philly where I grew up. So I moved back to Philly. Right. Be with my family, kind of figure out life.
2: Get a cheesesteak with Wiz from either one side of the street or the other (laughs) side of the street. I just. (laughs) The
3: best (laughs) in Philly, though, is neither of them. It's Del Sandro's and Rock. Oh, there
2: we go. We're going to put that in the comments. Del Sandro's. We're going to put that in the comments. Yeah, everyone goes Pat and
3: Gino saying, I think that's more of like a tourist. Don't get me wrong, they're good, right? no i get you there's how so many other good places that, in philly for cheese sakes.
2: oh you got to be stoked that the eagles are going to the oh,
3: fuck yeah yeah
2: a super bowl i yeah. mean come on right okay. Kansas City chiefs and the eagles
3: <laughs> <laughs> andy Reid coming back it's funny it's like uh andy Reid coming back after he you know he took the eagles to the super bowl loss but he's coming back and then you got the kelsey brothers against you there's just so many cool tidbits with this super bowl
2: well the here in Utah, those two bros, or the two players from Grantsville High School are going to be playing against each other in the Super Bowl. So, and there's the two brothers. Yeah, that's Jason and then there's Travis,
3: like, Kelsey. I didn't realize they were from Utah, but... If
2: that's the same two, yeah, because they both played at Grantsville High School here, just about 20 minutes west of where I'm at. Yeah. And now, like, the news here is never Grantsville.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> but now Grantsville is like, yeah, everybody, Grantsville, you know, so... All right, so you know, go for both of those athletes. Good luck to both teams. It's a sports, a proper sport, you know. And let's let's just listen to the refs and let your coaches do the talking. <laughs>
3: These two brothers too. They, they they run an awesome podcast. It might just be called the Kelsey Brother Podcast or something. They're hilarious. They're good. Oh yeah, we'll put that in there. We'll plug it. Dude. Yeah. That's great, and it's cool because it's you know
2: I'm sure that when this goes up, I think the Super Bowl is like the 18th or 19th, isn't it? I think
3: of this month. Maybe the uh, The twelfth, I think it's the tw- next Sunday. Twelve.
2: Oh, so it's this. Yeah, so this will probably go up after. So let's make a prediction. All right, you're calling it for who?
3: Oh, uh, the Eagles. Yeah, the Eagles the are going to win by ten. By ten. Yeah, I think. I'll say Eagles by a field goal. Yeah. Okay. I think that's okay. Spread, so we're good.
2: Yeah, that's that's like a nail biter right there. Laces out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we'll go back to this and listen and say, okay, let's go, let's go, let's do it.
1: Play.
2: Now, the thing you talked about was the college that you got into, Warren College, after you got out of the C- or you applied, you're like, what am I going to do? Ten more years. And you're like, entrepreneur, huh? That's what's in your mind. You are just like go after it.
3: You know, I always gravitated towards the entrepreneur thing. I was always doing crazy shit when I was a kid, like kids in the neighborhood to help me figure out how sure. to hustle and make money with like side projects. Like I made comic books when I was in elementary school and we would sell them in school. This was like when the Marvel cards were getting real big. Before Marvel is what it is today. Side landscaping businesses, shoveling snow, all that stuff. I to—I sure. got suspended from school because I used to buy airheads at wholesale. And then I would sling them out of my backpack at school for like, I'd get them for like a nickel a piece and I'd sell them for 25 cents a piece. I was making like a hundred bucks a week in change, oh, taking it. it to the bank in like seventh and eighth. Grade, oh yeah. And then I got suspended if we're doing it. And I was like, wait, is this what? <laughs> I'm learning more from this than any fucking bullshit math class you're giving me.
2: I mean, you're really selling airheads, dude. That's great. I mean, not to s- steal that, but my dad had vending machines in the school I went to because it was attached to the armory, and he was a Green Beret that his unit was attached to there. So there was an armory attached to the hi- to the junior high, and he put a key around my neck, and he's like, "Anytime you see these vending machines turned off in the gym." You just turn them right on, okay? <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would be the kid that everybody would roll with. We go over to the vending machines, just turn them right on. My dad's Coke machine, and they'd all just get cokes right there. Or, yeah, hundred percent, dude. And hustling as well. I used to sell grilled cheeses for a dollar, or a hat, or a hole for two, because I didn't have a job at thirteen. Yeah, who's gonna hire me? Yeah, you know. So I was everybody was selling lemonade, yeah. and I was like, I gotta do something different than Cody. So I'm gonna sell grilled cheese with Velveeta, bro. And I sold them all thirteen bucks. I was like, What are you doing?
3: Pull up to a like selling
2: all your Diet Cokes from the vending machine. Yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, it's good times, bro.
3: <laughs> so, like, I just always had that entrepreneurial bug. And then when I got out of active duty and I was at school, I was at, you know, I was at this fancy business school and I was just like, I didn't even know what half the stuff was I was looking at, like the difference between investment banking, private equity hedge funds. And I was just trying to figure it out. The problem with going entrepreneurial at that time is like, I have kids that I need to support. And when you're an entrepreneur That's and right. go to a startup, like. You're in a hurt locker for quite some time until it starts becoming successful, if it becomes successful at all. So I took jobs that paid for a bit, but I was doing a side, like I started off doing a a real estate side hustle. I was about to start off flipping properties. And then from there, I rolled in and getting like multifamily real estate investments so I could get like monthly cash flow mm-hmm. off the rents. Mm-hmm. And then when we started Zero Wise in 2018, I sold all of that to dump it into the company so we could... Get ourselves going,
2: and then you had a course to focus on. Now with zero eyes, and and if I read a little bit about like the dossier that came through on you, it was like right after the Parkland shootings, you know, and of course other shootings. I'm sure you know at the schools or at soft targets that we all you know frequent, whether it's the mall or the WalMarts, it kind of impacts you, like it impacts me. But you're doing something about it, yeah. Tell me about that, yeah.
3: Yeah, so it was me and another co-founder, we'd get around and kick around business ideas all the time over like beers, coffee, whatever, even on the phone, text. And then the start of business, you have to be solving a problem for someone, right? And every time we turned on the news, I mean, nothing's changed since Columbine. It's it's only gotten worse, but this is going back to 2017. And it was like, every time you turn on the news, it was another shooting, another shooting, another shooting. And then the Parkland school shooting happened and my daughter's school, she, my oldest daughter, she was in middle school at the time. That school, her school started doing uh, lockdown drills, also known as active shooter drills. And she came home really upset, like, dad, we had to do this drill. Or, or are they going to come and shoot our school like these other schools? And I was like, this is fucking nuts. Like, and I knew some folks that were doing facial recognition technology. And that was always in the back of my head and all the stuff that was happening with AI and computer vision, just trying to learn more about it. And then Fast forward a couple of days, I was just sitting in our school waiting for an indoor lacrosse practice to be over. And as I was sitting there, I was just looking around, there's a camera like every 20 feet in a school. And you could just do some quick math. You know, like there has to be 200, 300 cameras in this building. And they have security guards. Security guard was walking around there, like, and I was like, hey, who's looking at the cameras? And he was like, he like laughed. He was like, no one's looking at the cameras. We only look at them after something happens. And I was like, Shit, why don't we use them instead of like doing facial recognition where everyone has all these privacy concerns, why don't we just focus on detecting a gun? If someone has a gun out in the open, like particularly out of school, I think everyone wants to know. So now we could give that information of like what that person looks like, what type of weapon they are carrying, how many shooters there are and geolocate them on a map for first responders and, and local staff and security. So they could get people to safety as fast as possible, but also decrease the response time and stop the threat, stop the bleed, and, you know, save time, save lives. And had the, I called up my my buddies, my co-founders, and I was like, yeah, I got this idea. And I was like, you guys in? And we all quit our jobs and moved into my, a couple of them moved into my basement and lived on hammocks for a couple months. And we self-funded the business to go for like the first year, uh, just trying to figure it out. And here we are five years later, and we have a hundred and Almost 130 employees were in 35 states growing in schools, commercial places, and military installations.
2: Yeah, they're finding a need to say, hey, if this does happen here, it's not to stop the situation. It's to zero in on my pencil, if you will, freeze frame it, freeze frame me holding said pencil, send that immediately. Like, this is what we're looking for, this this situation, and it's going to alert the authorities and those that need to know that this is happening and so they can respond before anybody can even get to the phone.
3: Yeah. It's just real time, actionable intelligence in a perfect world. Like we detect that weapon right. the shots are even fired and we can stop it before anyone gets hurt. And it's like, that's the win everyone wants.
2: I mean, you're coming up with something though. There's it's better than, you know, sending my kid with, I mean, I'm not trying to dog it, but like a Kevlar backpack, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not trying to say if you send your kid with a Kevlar backpack to school, yeah. there's a, I'm just saying like, All the- we just, that's, that's great, yeah.
3: All the security cameras are already there, so like, why don't we make them proactive right. to detect a gun? Like everywhere you go, there's a security camera.
2: We're yeah, we're monitored. Yeah, hundred percent. Walking down the streets.
3: Yeah. <laughs> good luck trying to get
2: away. Don't give you. away my medical information. <laughs> That's insane. HIPAA. Yeah. Let's <laughs> <Come> on. <laughs> HIPAA, HIPAA. Come on, man. <laughs> if you tell me it's not HIPAA, it's you. Yeah. Come on. I'm sorry. I just. You know, I just want to – that's facial recognition, man. It is everywhere. I was in London, you know, and they say when you're walking through London for 10 minutes, you're, like, filmed 1,500 times. That's like so the filmed.
3: most video in the world.
2: Yeah. That's- I just walk. I'm just, like, I feel safe in London. I'm, like, la, 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 because I just feel, like <laughs> – <laughs> do you like what you see? Yeah. Are you enjoying your show? Yeah. You know, that's really <laughs> – that's, like – Truman, here we are, you know, and uh, when you referenced AI, it's a acronym that we're using more and more that's artificial intelligence. And that's where we're getting these types of facial recognition platforms or gun recognition platforms. That's pretty cool. Now it's it's can it only be pulled out? So you have to actually pull out the device to be scanned? Or can it be like,
3: can you see? Yeah, so we, we, don't, do, we don't do concealed weapons. It could be partially yeah. concealed. So it's all based on mm-hmm. off the camera feed. It could be partially concealed, but then like multiple variables come to play, like lighting, distance, et cetera. So that the simplest way we tell people is like, if a human is sitting down looking at that video feed and they could tell like, hey, that's a gun or the wise platform will also detect that it's a gun.
2: I see. Yeah. That's amazing. Because it's just going to get more refined. Yeah. You know, we're 2023. Oh,
3: yeah. It's crazy how much it improves. It's like a snake eating its own tail, like the feedback loop of it improving. But the really interesting thing about it is like the detections, like we see detections that are so far away. We're like, holy shit. Or like uh, weird lighting conditions. And it's like, it just works really well. And you can get that information to people as soon as possible
2: with your testing, you've been doing with range and whatnot. Sure. And just trying to see what you can pick up, how it can pick up with that algorithm. I'm sure you guys keep that close to your chest so that no one can, you know, <laughs>
3: yeah, yeah. go it's after that, fast. right? Like all the data we use for it, we we sure use in-house, all of our developers are in-house. Um, yeah, it's it's our, it's our Coke recipe. And you have a knack for
2: looking for veterans that are qualified to come and work with you if they apply themselves. Is that right? Oh yeah. We
3: love hiring vets. It's, um, So out of like the 130 employees that we have, roughly probably about 75 to might even be like 80% are veterans, all Mm -hmm. branch. Actually, we don't have anyone from Space Force. We did get our first Coast (laughs) TV. We have a lot of Marines. You have Coast Guard? You got
2: Coast Guard? You got to count Coast Guard. Oh, yeah. They listen, too. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I don't care. Department of of Homeland Security, man. They're (laughs) negative. (laughs) Who's going to fight for America on the shores first? is Coast? Yeah. The coast, the coasties. <laughs> yeah, so
3: we, yeah. We got people from all brands. I mean, we love hiring vets, right? It's like that, yeah. We, you know, they're trainable, they got all those soft skills that are really important teamwork, communication skills. They could be a leader, they could be a follower. They'll grind it out, mm-hmm. um, they'll figure it out. But being trainable is like the most important aspect of that because they could come in and not know anything about computer vision, AI, how it's sales, any of that stuff. Like, and, and we just, we just train them on it. And we know show up yeah, to show up. We'll, yep. we'll get you up to speed pretty quickly.
2: I tell my staff every day, thank you for coming to work. Yes. And they look at me like, wow, why? I'm like, you're here.
3: Yeah. <laughs> get some shit done. If we're only get one thing done Let's today, it's at least, at least you're moving in the right direction.
2: Yeah, Exactly. You came to work, you committed to coming to work and uh, that's awesome. So do you find that using your uh, SEAL background has helped you and your military background in this endeavor, you know?
3: Yeah, it definitely does. It really helps because we're working in the security space. We're we're dealing with in our process with our clients or potentially gonna be our clients in our sales process. We're always dealing with like security directors, security minded folks. And it really helps coming from like a military and then we have law enforcement backgrounds on our team too. Mm -hmm. We can speak the language outside of like the IT tech realm We could speak the language of like what to do about certain threats and timing and movement and and how it can help and what's a really at the end of the day if you're paying for this what's the what's the value they're getting out of it and we could easily show it Mm -hmm. but once people have like zero eyes on our platform and we see it over and over and over again with with clients what they do is like they'll go put it on like a small subset of their cameras and then they have the local police run drills with their security team like an active shooter drill Etc. And they do it without the software running. They do it with the software running because they want to test it. They want to like punch holes in it and they want to kick the tires. And we're like, yeah, go for it. Do it. Yeah. And right. Everyone after they use it and they get the alerts and stuff, they're just like, damn, this needs to be on every camera. This is so helpful because if you think about it now mm-hmm. when an active shooter event happens, the way the police are responding is from a 911 call. So shots are fired at whatever building or whatever location. Everyone starts scattering. Some people run. Some people don't. They have tunnel vision. Their heart rates through the roof. They're sweating. They're scared. They're locking up. And then within a minute of that shooting, you're finally getting some 911 calls. And a person's like, hey, there's, there's there's a shooter here. And they're like... Where are you? And they're like, they just named the building or the campus. Like, oh, I'm at such and such school or such and such mall or whatever. Such and such military base. Okay. Right. Where? And it could be like a hundred acre campus. And they, they like, we're dialing them in to, a, to the X, to exactly where they need to go. Not only that. Now like after have-
2: 103. Yeah. Yep. Right.
3: And so once the police or first responders like use our sister, like, damn, this is a game changer. And I'm like, yeah, it's going to, it's going to help. Now, is it like the cure all to this? No, absolutely not. But it's like it's something moving us in the right direction to make a difference. Well, I completely agree
2: with that, you know, and if it can help, you know, to just extinguish the situation, you know, uh, no one wants it to be a loss of life. Right. But still lock up your guns at home. Parents. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Put a lock on it. Yes. Let's start there. okay? because that's an accessible situation. Right. Let's just be aware of that. And uh, I have that locked up. You should have yours locked up. I have access to it. I have a thumbprint style
3: oh yeah situation right.
2: so you know because mission impossible
3: doing um <laughs> they're coming out with these this tech that goes actually on gun grips where it's only your fingerprint will allow you to oh. use the weapon or like whoever else you have in your biometric yeah. case for that thing and i was like so it's biometric yeah. yeah i was like that's interesting like i mean i wouldn't put it on my like my hunting well i don't know I would have to I would have to play with it to see see how I feel about it.
2: Because if you're wrapped in red to hot to trot, then you don't want to have to thumbprint to like get access. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, really, right? Yeah. <laughs> but to get it out of the glass case. <laughs> yes. So I think practicing safety is going to be the first thing at home, talking to your kids, letting them know, like, hey, this is in the house. This is the things they're put away, they're locked up. Yeah. You know, be cutting. open with your <laughs> yeah exactly yeah unless you want to go and do something with yeah, I mean, mom or dad or like you know. I,
3: I have kids and they grow they go hunting and stuff with me and I sure I take, and you just teach common sense gun handling skills and you, you go through the range safety requirements and everything like that like hey this is the muzzle this is when it's hot this is like this is the chamber oh this is the safety this is the trigger don't put finger exactly. on the trigger like oh, don't swing your muzzle around like it's this is why you clean it. Yeah. <laughs> it's stuff my dad taught me, stuff I learned in Boy Scouts, it's it's stuff I teach to my
1: Zumo play.
2: Did you have some time in the scouts? Is that right? Yeah, I,
3: dude, I loved the scouts when I was growing up. And my dad was involved with it, with me and my brother. And then I got to, I was actually about to make Eagle Scout and I was going in ninth grade. So I was going to be like the youngest Eagle Scout in our troop. I had like two more things to do, but then I was going into yeah. high school and uh, it wasn't cool anymore. And all I wanted to do yeah. like- go to dances and chase girls and hang out with my buddies I didn't want to go camping with a bunch of dudes anymore now I love camping with a bunch of dudes but it was like I right. was like at the time I was like no nah, I'm not doing that I'm not doing it my dad
2: no I, right and it, it, it's in the back me too bro no don't worry about it I got to be uh let's see so I went from tenderfoot to the next one And then I was pretty much done at about 15 skateboarding and uh, having a skate shop and all this kind of stuff. I was like, what am I doing? You know, it's like, I got to go sell skateboards tomorrow. And then now my son, though, he's pushing towards a life, right? He needs to get a life as a scout. So he's working on that. You know, he's 14 and we find... You know that as long as you can keep them probably staying the course from 14 right now to 15 and uh, accomplishing that, they're probably going to get it. Once they hit 15, 16, they're going to be coming back into scouts because they have found out they get a rank when they get that eagle. And they're coming back into the troop and they're like, hey, I just need to catch up. And one of my young men, he comes in, he's a 16-year-old and he's not even a star yet. And he's trying to catch up, you know, and it's like, bro, you got to have at least six months between life and eagle. Yeah. You know, just even just to even get that you have to have all these service yeah, projects and all those ranks and, he's, and stuff. so he's chasing it right it's just something that's always just like oh yeah every, stick with it summer, if you're in, yeah. if you're karate yeah
3: <laughs> every summer i was at, we would go to like uh they, they would have camps out on the east coast like big big boy scout camps like with no camp noby bosco bushkill falls and i would stay there for like a week or two in the summer and just like oh yeah working all my different merit badges and make fires and run around in the woods and play capture the flag and go to the lake and it was awesome
2: you know that totally just goes right into what you went into in the navy oh, yeah. <laughs> you know oh, i like get the ceiling. Like i mean hundred <laughs> yeah. yeah. no. percent who needs to start a fire who's cold <laughs> let's shiver <laughs> watch if we shiver we'll stay alive <laughs> until you're tired and then you can't shiver anymore but we'll try yeah. you know here you are right simple simple things it's funny when you see a 13 year old leading grown adults on a 7.5 mile hike into the backwoods but they're like this is that plant, and this is that plant, and that's that animal, and this is that rock, and don't step there. I mean, if there's something to be said about that. With all of this business that you're going after with the the DOD, are they are they do pretty heavily with your company? I would imagine.
3: I, I mean, it, it, it's tough doing government contracts, right? So you have to really walk the dog and it takes it's a really long process and, and cycle. So we start off with like super small, they're called SBIRs, small business innovative research grants or something along those lines. And we started off small, like really small ones where it was like a proof of concept and like a PowerPoint presentation. And then it went to like making it a reality. So the Air Force sponsored us for a couple of those grants to do stuff at different air bases. Some Marine bases have worked with us, Army's picking up. And so now it's like, we, we've done really well, in the, particularly in the DOD space or like within the military bases. It's starting to spread to other things within, like, just a huge umbrella of the DOD. Yeah. And so, yeah, we see a world where we're going to be on many more military bases with their security cameras.
2: Yeah, I could see that.
3: You I see that multiple right active that. shooters across military bases, like... Oh, yeah. Like, Pensacola, Hawaii...
2: Fort Hood. Fort Hood. Yep. Come on. I mean, really, you know, uh, it's just, yeah, that's crazy. You know, it's just a, such a surreal conversation I'm having about right now with you is this whole you know, active shooter at these places and, you know, how we're trying to thwart it and uh it's kind of bringing it home a little bit. I just, so don't mind me if I feel, if I'm getting somber, I just feel a little, like, you know, my son was in an active drill at school, you know, and they forgot to release them from it and let them know it was a drill. Yeah, And so one of the little girls in the class was just like crying and screaming because it was about 20 minutes had gone by and they were like still sheltered in place and no one had like released Ugh. The kids from this drill that they planned, and so they, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like just trauma.
3: Yeah, I tell people like it's so, you know, my parents and stuff grew up doing nuclear fallout shelter drills because of the Cold War. Then I we grew up doing fire alarm drills. Like the idea of an Mm -hmm. active shooter drill is like not even close. No, not, not not even in the realm of reality. Then you had 1999. I was a senior in high school and, and the combine happened. And it's just like the world drastically changed from that, or at least in the United States. And now we have our kids doing these active shooter drills all the time. Like it's like the yeah. norm, like a fire alarm drill. And you're like, what the fuck? And that's why I see his. Yeah, I never had that camera eventually or this type of technology being on every camera eventually just that it's more way more it's like 12 to 15 times more people die from gun violence every year than they do fires but every building you walk into has a, a smoke detector a fire alarm, right. fire suppression system and i'm like Dude, it's just going to be code where you have to have this technology on to help with the first responders so they can get medical aid in there as fast as possible stop the threat and uh you know get people safe.
2: it's true and get some decent cameras for your security system. You know, nineteen ninety eight. Yeah, you monster. see shitty cameras out. Pretty crazy one pixel camera back. You know what I mean? I want cameras that can at least see the assailant stab me. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so they can catch him, right? Like, who was that? You know, it's like I may not make it, but at least you got the footage. Yeah, I
3: mean, you see some of this footage that comes over the news of like whatever robbery or something like that. that people yeah. Go on the news, and you're like, what is that camera from like nineteen eighty five? What? What is that?
2: Really? I mean, are the is that is that Kodak black and white film? What are they? What are they still using? There was a
3: tape uh, and, and and record that. Yeah, it's true. It's like a little bit goes into it.
2: invest in your security system, right? That's what you're there to help with too. I'm sure you've got some quality systems that you can recommend if somebody decides to, you know, hit you up. And I just want to let anyone know, no one's no one's paying me to to talk about his business. This is a, something that's very specific and uh, very top of the conversation and. And he's leading leading the charge with this artificial intelligence and the conversation of facial of recognition. We're all being facially recognized, whether you think it's walking down the street or when you go to look at your iPhone. OK, when you're like looking at your cell phone, and it's like facial recognition to open that. Thing. Oh, yeah, like every app, <laughs> every we, app. Yeah,
3: we don't do any facial like we just focus on detecting guns, which is great. We're like mm-hmm. we're focusing on this one specific type of object. We're not collecting any personal identifiable information we're not making lists of people to watch or anything like that we're just straight up like hey if you want to know if there's a gun on your campus or your your business or your base or whatever whatever the environment is like shopping mall casino hospital hey right here there's a gun right here and then they enact that's right they enact their their protocols to to respond to that while the first responders are coming
2: yeah that's like uh what's that old school that old chevy car star where you'd hit it it's like you roll and it automatically like sends a satellite signal out, like you're in an accident we're sending nine one one right uh, to uh, you hey, you, hey, you know hey, right hey, onto what your what spot
3: what the hell is that it's like it's <laughs> on every car now but
2: OnStar. <laughs> star so,
3: yeah it's like I, i'm not
2: also not paid by them for plugging them but yeah on star right we all know what that was you'd push it. it's like you must have a nine dollar a month membership
3: yeah <laughs> like i have my eye <laughs> like oh yeah
2: yeah exactly exactly well i mean it's just the wave of the future you know technology is gaining steam you know you've got you know super artificial intelligence sensors out there in the world since for smart cities being constructed and you know the gun recognition weapon recognition you know probably crossbow recognition <laughs> i mean
3: <laughs> be recognition.
2: yeah i wish it was just crossbows you know uh, if you could imagine the right to bear arms with a musket right now active shooters would just be like a one shot and then they'd pull in a blade yeah. because they ain't got time to reload, right? Blackbeard carried eight pistols on him, Blackbeard, the pirate. <laughs> so he had pop, 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 pop. Cause he couldn't reload them. Yeah. Right. So, so I'm just, I'm just saying like, there is that opportunity too, you know, but I know that my community loves to, you know, have their things and that's fine. Yeah. Have them. Yeah. Right. Just lock them up. Yeah. Okay. That's what's up. I don't care if you have a, anything i'm not even going to talk about it no more yeah. i'm gonna stop because yeah i got it too that's all oh, it's a, it's but i will deep say rabbit hole yeah. yeah it is it is and it gets crazy and i don't want to offend anybody because i do and i don't but i want to talk about what you're wearing on your shirt and i, I feel like i know that logo uh, it feels like to coffee. me
3: yeah i'm actually yeah so we went out and did their podcast me and a couple of the founders um we went out to utah to i mean your your stomp. jeff house and uh yeah it was awesome we went on their show and i got i rocked their t-shirt all the time i love it it's actually like my, my comfy tee
2: that looks like the ready man logo yeah and then uh yeah 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 we're actually well i just had jeff i just had him on the podcast he was uh he's he was my two shows before this i had jeff kirkham from i think that's probably who took you out you know that's who
3: i forget his name that interviewed me i have to look at my phone i'm so bad with names my brain's like so there's probably jeff and paul and uh he probably it was went an the back controller, then did stuff over mm-hmm. at the. Yeah, well, he was Green
2: Beret, and he had that room at Black Rifle Studios where it was a really nice podcast studio. Did you go into that? Yeah, it was sweet. Yeah, yeah was sweet. that was that was what I used to use too until COVID. Was- <laughs> that was my studio.
3: It's driving me crazy <laughs> that I can't remember his name right now. I'll look it up in a second. Now, I'm, I'm in Whitefish, Montana, actually, today, skiing. Oh, are you yeah, I was doing the skiing, and my fiance was with me. She was snowboarding yesterday, but, and it was snowing, so we're getting, like, fresh powder as we're going. Oh, I love that. It was awesome.
2: I love that. So my wife wants to go
3: to Big Sky. That's where you're at right now, or what? Yeah, wh- Whitefish Mountain. Whitefish, Whitefish so Mountain. North, north of, like, Missoula, about two hours north of Missoula uh, and, and okay. Kalispell. But, like, later tonight, I'm going down to Kalispell to the Black Rifle Coffee place that they just built there with andy stump and going on his uh clear hot podcast with some of uh my founders but we know andy from oh that's I mean, awesome he was like our instructor in the seal teams at one point and some of the guys deployed with them that are going to go be on the show so it'd be cool
2: that's awesome bro and if you're ever here in utah and you want to go ride up at like any of the brighton or something you just let me know oh, yeah we'll go yeah bring your fiance my wife will all ride yeah for sure she she snowboards huh there's got a great terrain park yeah. you know lots of good I mean, not so much, it's not, there's there's vertical there, but it's a lot more like long runs for, especially snowboarding.
3: Yeah, so uh, we were going on runs yesterday that were over an hour long, which is amazing. Like, you don't get that on the East Coast. No. Like, you could go up to Vermont and get like some decent, you could get some decent ones for the East Coast up in Vermont, but like, they were wicked long <laughs> runs yesterday. And we're not gonna rust off, we haven't gone in a while, and we haven't gone at all this season, but it was nice, it was gorgeous.
2: I love it, yeah, I, 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 I'm gonna assume that you're gonna, you wear a helmet.
3: I usually do. Yesterday, I actually didn't. I was just cruising. Okay, we were just—we weren't going down. I mean, we were on greens and blues yesterday. We weren't doing anything.
2: I got—I got you, bro. I'm just going to let you know. I'm just going to be Jiminy Cricket right now. Just, <laughs> just whisper in your ear. Just to let you know. Just to let you know. We're not getting younger. You know, I'm just I all I'm
3: saying. I, say, I can't take any more hits on my head. i have i taken too many. So I was cutting
2: some trees yesterday, going through them, you know, with my wife, and uh, I was leading, and I came up a little high and hit the back of my edge against a tree. And I was like, oh shit, you're a real tree, bro. That tree is I'm like, oh, and he, it knocked me down a little bit. And I was just off balance, off my board. And I was like, I got a helmet on. I got a helmet on. That's all I'm thinking is like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got a broken arm, but I got a helmet on.
3: <laughs> I, I'm taking your advice. Cause you gotta, it's not even about like you hitting a tree or something. I mean, that, that's obviously part of it, but you'll know the other knuckleheads that are out there that are going to come true into you. Yep.
2: No one's even like I. I'm always like coming out or you know right side, yeah. and everyone's just like trying to like cut. Yeah. To, you got fast dude cruising past fast you, dude, trying yeah, to like a like group of these like fourteen
3: a, year olds that have no fear and they're just like a, <laughs> flying right. There yeah, dude. Like, Damn.
2: Yeah, <laughs> and we'd like bells like ring, ring on the beach on your bikes, <laughs> ring, ring coming through. Ring, I'm cool with that.
3: Yeah,
2: a whistle. I, you could take a whistle. whistle side, or like, I
3: haven't like I, I love taking my kids and stuff too, but. I'm like like going at a speed where I have a beer in my hand and a smoke and I'm like, I'm fine.
2: Totally nice. (laughs) Oh yeah. We'll get along just fine, dude. I have no problems with that. And if, again, if you're ever out in Utah, just let me know. We'll go right up to Brighton and uh, just go right up there and ride. We got about 120, 140 inches right now. So we've already maxed out from our last two seasons this year. I actually lived in Tahoe.
3: I dropped out for a semester. This is before I even went into the military and I just, I bought a plane ticket to Reno and I packed I a bag. It. And within like five days of left, I had no plan. And I got out at Reno and I was like, this is desert. I was like, I was expecting Tahoe. <laughs> I got yeah. I took a cab. I only had like $400 in my pocket. I took a cab from Reno to Lake Tahoe. and was like, "Drop me off at the first ski resort. And they dropped me off at Sugar Bowl. And I went in, I was like, hey, do you have a job? And they're like, yeah. And I took a job, like working in yeah. the kitchen. And sometimes I'd work to be like a lift operator. And then smart though, I'd kitchen like, food. Uh, a housing barracks dorm thing with a bunch of other employees and it was like mm-hmm. I was there for 4 months it was awesome
2: that's awesome what a great core memory right there dude that's awesome right 19.
3: like just i might, might have just turned 19 and i was like i need something different in my life right now
1: Zumo play.
2: going into the navy coming out west you wind up probably going through what coronado and all of that for your seal team training yeah and then you got put into a team that we don't really talk about you got seal team six we hear about seal team one seal team three but you're part of seal team four yeah and so is that now a lot of us automatically maybe assume everybody goes to afghanistan Everybody in the SEALs just goes to Afghanistan, boom. But was your team designated to a certain area of operation? Like
3: now we we're know. so just they restructured the SEAL team four before nine eleven used to cover down on South America. Post nine eleven, they changed it all up. I'm not sure how it is now, but they changed it all up. Where basically every whenever a SEAL team was ready to deploy, they were going wherever the action. Like you're going to Iraq, you're going to Africa. so yeah. yeah, somewhere in Africa, whatever. So I spent all my time in Afghanistan, combat wise my first deployment. We had some platoons go to Iraq, but they were winding down, wrapping it up and and Afghanistan was really picking back up. So I spent some time in like this small fob with just our platoon by the border of Pakistan. And it was it was wild that first deployment. Wow. We were the most attacked fob while we were there in country. And there was like there's only a handful of us staying in this thing. And it was like every day, three times a day, rockets, mortars, small arms fire and then but your reasons against us to like really stop it. This it was like, they didn't want us going out at night anymore. Yeah. We're like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got yeah. You it. Yeah. Yeah. And then eventually our commander was like, these guys are going to get fucking smoked if they keep just, we were just like sitting ducks. And then finally took the gloves off and we got after it. And we didn't get it to the last three months of the, the deployment was like roughly eight months. The last eight months yeah. of the, or three months of the deployment, we didn't get attacked at all. It also helped. That it was winter, but then we started moving in like, village stability operations which was they would take a handful of green beret seals or whoever and in. you would literally live in a village with people and like sit around drink tea and eat goat and and then you would like try to get them to stand up for themselves and Mm -hmm. in a nutshell
2: wow yeah politically you know a lot of green berets are you know just instilled governments
3: yeah It, it was yeah, exactly. I mean, it wasn't a typical mission set for SEALs at all. Like no. It was definitely a Green Beret mission. So like before we actually get yes. to our VSO site or village stability site, me and two other guys from my platoon, we went out and stayed with Green Berets for like two weeks at their to see how they're running their VSO and what was working, what wasn't. And then we went and stood up ours. So it was a really interesting deployment. It was very, very active. It was everything I asked for and was expecting from the SEAL. Mm-hmm. So kind of lucked out with that. And then the second deployment went back to Afghanistan, and I went in on um, – I got attached to a NATO Special Forces unit. I got attached to the Polish Special Forces. And what they would do – The Grom. Yeah, I worked with the Grom and JWK. Mm-hmm. And so they would yeah. pick, like, one or two SEALs in, with them, and then, like, we would help feed them, mm-hmm. Intel, and at whatever. They need HELOS, we'll go get HELOS. You need Intel, we'll help mm-hmm. put together a package, mm-hmm. and then, like, direct on this for, like, what we wanted. to – to get done. So it was a big force multiplier for us. So like, instead of like the U S having to put a whole platoon of seals in one area, you can now only have to put like two Americans, but use the NATO special forces. And I was phenomenal. Like I lived with those guys for months and they just like really took me in and it was a great time. We we were doing awesome missions. It was, it was a lot of nighttime stuff blowing up like ID caches and crazy. Yeah. It was, it was, it was fun. Everything you wanted,
2: you know, it's what you weird,
3: you know, it would be me and like 12, Polish guys out on an op, like fifty Afghans, and I was the only one speaking English. And I was like,
2: "Oh, bro!" I was
3: like, "Well, shit hits the fan." At least I was talking to the birds. Like I was talking to guys.
2: Yeah. Guy, uh, hey guys. So I'm down here by myself. <laughs> and how are you doing up there? Yeah, I'm not really by myself, but mentally. Yeah, yeah,
3: mentally. <laughs> uh, and then there, there was always like that one or two Polish guys. that would speak their broken English, but after working with them for a while, like you, you just learned how to communicate. I'd pick up some of their language. They were getting better with mine, and we. At the end of the day, your special operators like you—you know know what needs to be done—and we're looking at body language and everything like that. But it was an awesome experience working with. I much would have rather been with a SEAL platoon, but it was still—it was still good. And then there was a couple SEALs that rotated in and out with me. I stayed there most of the time, and then like so, I wasn't always. Solo, but it was it was good.
2: You're like they haven't forgot about me.
3: Yeah, <laughs> you're new. Yeah,
2: are you real? Are you yeah. Really? <laughs> Do, you Do you speak my bed tonight? Polish? <laughs> 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 I forgot that I slept through Polish class. Yeah, sorry. Oh, bro, man, the Polish. No, that's Polish intense. Class, you know, they were
3: crazy. they, they, they would make uh it was like jailhouse wine. They would take like jerry cans that you would see that you would put on like a back of a Humvee and they were setting it up. They would use fruit cocktail yeast to make like basically juice. Sure. And dude, this stuff would rip fucking paint off a car, but you got used to drinking it after a while, but it probably took a couple years off my life.
2: Oh yeah. You, you're good. It's okay. You're like a cat. It's got to count all those lies, those close ones. You're like, okay. Yeah.
3: <laughs> this guy's like a,
2: well i who's... i think that uh you know the polish grom are just one of those special units that don't really get a lot of like spotlight on them and they like it i get it yeah. and at the same time you know actually i think there's a character in call of duty though that is off the grom right now and so, oh, really? you know, they're all about that piano. They have like a piano at their headquarters and it's a very significant thing. It's very okay. interesting about the Grom. So
3: when I went in and I only worked with them for like two weeks, they ended up doing a mission and we we're basically advising them, like stop doing it this way, but that, I'm not going to go into crazy details about it, but we we're like, sure. Me mean, there was another seal that was with me and he was really working the Grom. I was working at JWK, but we we're like right next to each other. And then we work with each other and the Grom, they ended up, uh, Going out to do this op, and we, we were like advising against it because of the intel packet, what, what we're seeing through intel. And then they got they got fucking ambushed. They lost like four dudes. or true commander took a fucking shot in the face. It was bad. And so that they, they got the rest of the for the next couple of months, like that they, they weren't operating. So we just focused specifically on JWK. But it was like it turned into a shit show. You always feel bad for for guys when they lose a brother, and it's that's uh i felt bad for them but they just didn't operate for the next couple months while we we're there so we just worked with the jwk jwk yeah, is yeah polish green berets those guys were awesome too
2: i see okay so the grab would be equivalent to like a seal yep. right yep. and then the jwk would be the green berets sf style that's cool yeah that's cool it's a, it's it's a bummer that you know that ambush took place because i mean like these guys are trained up you know whether there's a packet telling them not to or not they still yeah you know you get you like you you know and then there's someone out there he says that his dirt means more than the side of your dirt and now you guys are fighting over this dirt yep and you're both up trained obviously huh has to be
3: they just they thought they had good intel to hit this target for someone and they walked into a straight up ambush in this compound they had like Mm. holes cut out in the walls like they they walked right into the dead zone and it was just like damn The, the fact that some of them got out alive is really impressive yeah, because they got stuck that is, in the courtyard is. and they're just getting the shit hammered out of them.
2: Wow. Yeah, you were there to advise.
3: <laughs> yeah, going that up, yeah.
2: I know, bro. Sorry about that to you. And I'm just letting you know, okay? I oh, yeah. Just want yeah. You know it's,
3: that. it's part of the job.
2: Yeah, understood, understood, understood. Well, that's crazy. I'm not going to try to end it on that. But thanks for being who you are. Thanks for going after your dreams. Thanks for reading a book uh, in seventh grade that s- steered you into, you know, choosing to fight for the flag that I get to sleep under at night. Thank you for, you know, being an outdoorsman and a father and, and, uh, coming home to us safely. And so thank you to, for me to you for all those things. So thank
3: you. Yeah, man. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for all you do getting the word out and all these great stories and the people you have on your show. And I appreciate it, Rat. It's awesome. And keep that beard.
2: You're very welcome.
3: It's that beard's perfect.
2: <laughs> oh, you! I'll tell you, when it gets ice beard from snowboarding, bro. I, then I then had it yesterday. It was for. good.
3: It was like the big chunks in there, and it was.
2: Yes, I love yeah. it. I know. My wife all got herself bundled up like a ninja, <laughs> and I'm like, just grow your beard. Yeah, let, it, let it <laughs> Just let it go. Yeah. Just let it go. Yeah. Well, look, I know you got other podcasts to do and you got a busy schedule and uh, you're a popular dude. So thank you so much. We'll make sure that zero eyes.com gets a mention in our typed out soft post. Uh-huh. And I just want to thank you so much for serving our country, being a really chill dude, take the time to talk with me this morning on your vacation. And uh, thanks so much for joining me. Do you have anything you want to say?
3: No, yeah, just check out ZeroWise.com and thanks everyone. Yeah, Let's go make a difference.
2: Let's go make a difference. All right, well, this is Rad on behalf of Mike saying peace.
0: You've been listening to Soft Rep Radio. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God,